What is up, Boundless Gamers? I hope you are all having a great day. I am the Ginger Bearded One. You may also know me as Indy. And with me tonight is Mike, or as I knew him before the Force did terrible things to his mind and wiped away his memories and destroyed his very identity, Revan. What's up, buddy? You know, for the longest time, everybody just called me Revan. They would not call me Mike, no matter what. They're like, nah, I think we're just going to stick with Revan. And I'm really? Like, yeah, yeah, for years. Jacques was like that. Uh, a bunch of other dudes, they just wouldn't call me by my first name. <laughs> I, I wasn't hating it, though. I'm like, hey, you want to call me Revan? That's that's okay with me. I mean, I was the same way until we started talking, like, outside of the clan and everything. And then it was just kind of more so chatting through Facebook. And I was like, all right, this is Mike. <laughs> oh, but how have you been, man? Um, It's been a very busy uh, week at work. Man, it's it's definitely been a week. <laughs> I really don't know what to say. I haven't even had time to really play a whole lot. Um, with everything that's been going on with Twitch and this, that, and the other. Um, so I guess, actually, we'll go ahead and cover the social medias. You guys, if you're listening to this, you probably already know every place you can find us. If anybody is new, you can always check the link tree. It's usually in the description somewhere, wherever it is that you're listening. There is a bit of a push this week. We are really going to try and hit affiliate by the end of the week on Twitch. We need a total of 58, or not, not 58, wow, 50 followers. We are at 38 at the moment, so we are 12 short as of recording this podcast on Sunday, January 30th. When it goes up on Thursday, those numbers will hopefully be a little bit closer. But enough about that. Social media's out of the way. We're going to jump straight into the fun stuff about what we've been playing. So, Mike, I'm going to let you go first. All right, let's see. What do I have this week? You know, <laughs> it's funny, I... I forget immediately when we start recording. I'm like, okay, what, what did I play? <laughs> I don't know. That happens a lot with me. But four hours of sleep a night will do that. I have three games this week. Uh, I beat two of them. The first game is Lake. It's just called Lake? Yeah, it's just called Lake. I don't know if I've heard this one or not. It is a game that's not for everybody. Let's just say that. The game takes place in Oregon, Providence Oaks. It's eight. It's, I was about to say it's 1886. No, it's not that old. It's <laughs> 1986. You're the small town's local mail carrier. The character's name is Meredith. And Meredith is a computer programmer who lives in the city, but she decides to come back home to temporarily fill her dad's role as the mailman. And basically, you just drive around delivering mail and you interact with your old uh, friends and other people you remember when you were growing up and you try to reconnect with them. It is uh, interesting. I, I really can't recommend this to anybody. It's a very <laughs> hard recommend because I don't know who this game is really for. But it kept me interested to see the ending. Okay. The acting is kind of all over the place. It's not that great. The characters aren't really that great. I know I'm not doing a real good job selling this to somebody right now, but I mean, it's the description that you have though. Yeah. It's just one of those weird games. You decide to want to play one day and I checked it out. I finished it in six hours, I think. And I don't think I'll play it ever again. It's not one of those in 10 years games where you're like, you know what? Lake, yeah. 
I remember yeah. that game. Let me boot that back up. No, you're not. it's a one and done. That's it. You're never going to come back to it. Uh, I know Jacques's going to check it out at some point. He told me it's on his hard drive, so you'll hear his thoughts on it at some point. But the second game is one of your favorites, Cindy. Oh. Rainbow Six Extraction. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. To be fair, it's not that bad. I just don't like what it represents. Um, but I'll, I'll get into my problems with it once you've described um, what you thought of it. It doesn't feel like a standalone game. It just feels like an expansion for Siege. And that's really what it is. Now, Sean was telling me they had this mode that's in Extraction. They had it in Siege at one point. Yeah, it was a limited time event. I don't like the enemy types. I think the alien infection is kind of boring and the there is a story here and you do get a cutscene in the beginning you're on ellis island in new york and the infection comes out of the ground and it's it's cool when it goes through the statue of liberty and cuts the head off and it falls down and all that yeah don't expect the campaign here you're just going to get a couple cutscenes here and there and there's your story that's it the rest is just a game mode me personally i think it gets a little repetitive there's really not a whole lot there to jump into. It's just got random objectives you got to tackle on the map. Free the survivor or grab the intel or cure the infection in this area and then get the hell out of there. It's got the good Rainbow Six Siege combat. The gameplay mechanics is great. I don't have any issues with that. I just think this game is very unnecessary and it really doesn't warrant a full release. It's a shameless cash grab. But some will say, hey, it's on Game Pass. So you got to give it that. No. I didn't spend money. I'm, I'm, and I'm like, oh, come on. It's still a eh, kind of game. It, it doesn't really do anything exciting or different. Listen, just because a game is on Game Pass does not warrant it being a good game or worth checking out. You know how many shitty movies are on Netflix? Just because I pay for Netflix <laughs> yeah, yeah. doesn't mean I'm going to like, it's on Netflix, so I have to watch it. No. To me, uh, th this is my problem with Extraction, is that the Tom Clancy name has gone so far south ever since he passed away. It feels like at this point, it's just slap his fucking name on everything, and let's just call it a part of this Tom Clancy metaverse bullshit open world stuff. I mean, I liked the game mode in Siege when it was a limited time thing. It was fun. But as soon as I saw they're making a full game out of it, it's like, this just needs to be a game type in Siege. That is all this needs to be. The fact that you're making a game out of it just tells me that I am never going to get anything close to a true like military sim like Rainbow Six Vegas or uh, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, like that Tom Clancy style games, th th those are gone at this point. And I really don't know what they're going to do for Splinter Cell. But if I see something like Wildlands for Splinter Cell, I'm just going to give up hope on the Tom Clancy license at that point. Jacques was telling me there's a lot of positive uh, feedback coming from the uh, community for Extraction. And I'm just like, I don't see it. It just seems like a rushed mess to me. There's not a whole lot of content there. It feels very stripped down. I know Jacques listening to this right now as he's writing down the timestamps. Jacques, do you remember when you were talking about the ascent, or I should say when we were all talking about the ascent, and we saw positive uh, things coming from the players who played it, and then we jumped into it and we're like, 
yeah, I'm good. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> he just bailed. Yeah, I just didn't see that great game that people were saying the Ascent was. I'm just like, it's a buggy mess, and when it's not buggy, it's kind of boring. But whatever. To each his own. If you yeah. like, If you love the game, go nuts. But I'm just not a huge fan of Extraction. Sure, it's fun to mess around with your friends and play a few matches here and there, but you could say that for any game. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's another zombie mode in a game that didn't that nobody really asked for a zombie mode. It's average at best. Yeah. And I'm being nice about that. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. But my last game is Sackboy, a big adventure. I don't know if you've played this one, Indy. I have not. I highly recommend it because it has local co-op. Okay. So you and Ash can uh, screw around with it. But yeah, it's the little big planet universe with just Sackboy, and they gave him his own 3D uh, adventure. Great platformer. Love the levels. The music's fantastic. It actually has some licensed music in it, which is pretty cool. Oh, nice. Like Britney Spears is um, toxic. Really? Yeah. And another thing I really like about the music is that some of the levels actually goes with the beat of the music like things will be moving to the beat oh so it's like uh rayman legends exactly yeah i just had a fun time with it i don't really have a lot of complaints shock was a little bit more mixed with the game i think he enjoyed it but he was a little bit like eh, it's a little too long it's overstays its welcome he is right about one thing with the ending, it does kind of pull the rug under your feet. You think the game's over and they're like, ah, 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 nope, there's another world. You got to go do it. And guess what? You're going to have to collect more of the blue orbs to unlock the final level. And you have to collect pretty much the vast majority of them that are in the game, which is annoying. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. This game got me my 126 platinum, though. No kidding. And it wasn't easy because there's one trophy in this game that's just brutally hard. The rest are very easy, but then they just put that one in there that will drive you nuts. You had to like go through a 10-minute or 15-minute challenge of crazy levels back to back to back, and you only had one life. You die once, it goes all the way back to the beginning. And you got to do it very quickly. You got to go through these very, very fast. Oh, damn. But yeah, I don't really have much else to say about the game. I just highly recommend it. If you love couch co-op games, check this one out. Cool. I have to check that. I know I have to check that out because I know uh, me and Ash haven't spent a whole lot of time in the Little Big Planet uh, franchise, but it's definitely one that I know that we could definitely uh, have fun with if we could just learn to work together a little bit better on platformers. Like <laughs> we've been going through, it takes two a little bit, and. Um, We've had a lot of fun with that, but if it's something like New Mario Brothers or Little Big Planet where you can potentially screw the other one over, sometimes we're a little vengeful towards each other, even if it was accidental. <laughs> yeah, there's a little of that in there. And one thing I think Ash is going to like is you can create your own characters. Like in the Little Big Planet games, there's tons of different oh, nice. outfits and hats and whatever, and you can just create some crazy combinations. So you can have a lot of fun with that in the game. But that's it. Got nothing else. What you been playing? 
Uh, well, I, I just mentioned that we've played It Takes Two. I think I actually have four or five games. I'm going to kind of speed through some of them. Um, so we're still going through It Takes Two. Haven't finished it. As everyone knows, that's been keeping up with the stream. I played um, Fall Guys. I've played Halo, you know, the normal rotation. But apart from that, things that have not been on stream or have not been multiplayer games uh, with you guys... I've actually only been playing my Switch. Hmm. I don't know if you know this, but um, Ash has been working with my mom. So um, on one of my days off during the week, I usually try and go over there just to kind of hang out. And plus, it's like an hour and a half to hour and 15 minute drive for Ash. And Ash sometimes struggles staying awake on long drives. Just there's something about either she has a mild case of narcolepsy or is just has severe sleep apnea, but she'll just like fall asleep at the wheel. If she's not stimulated, Ooh. like if it's a stop, Ooh. if it's stop and go or something like that, she'll, she struggles to stay awake. So on those days I'll drive her or just I'll drive home, something like that. Just so, you know, I don't have to worry about that. But when I go over there, um, my sister will bring my nieces over and one of them has a switch and she loves to play a switch. Well, the last time or the first time that I went over there and she brought the kids over, I brought over my switch and I was playing um, Link's Awakening and she started referring to it as Tiny Zelda. Now, whenever I go over there, she brings her own switch, mind you, she will leave her switch on the table like Uncle Indy, can we play Tiny Zelda? So we started playing Link's Awakening and I had bought it when it first came out but I'd never beat it because I'd beat it back on the Game Boy. And I was like, you know, this is really cool. I just wanted to see it. Um, but as we were playing it, I was like, I'm actually really enjoying this. So now I've been playing Link's Awakening um, at home and it's still a really good game. It's really cute. It's really adorable. The puzzles are really cool. Um, I'm actually stuck, which is funny for a game that I've already beaten. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out if you have a Switch. I mean, Zelda is one of those things that usually hit home runs with it, regardless. I wish I could be a Zelda fan. I've tried. I tried with Breath of the Wild and the older ones. I just can't. Get I was about it. to say, Breath of the Wild to me is not a Zelda game, and I've got. I will fight anybody who tells me otherwise. I've fought with my little brother over this. I'm sorry, but Breath of the Wild is not a Zelda game. I'm not saying it's a bad game. It's not. Triggering the Nintendo fans, Indy. That's fine. Come for me. It is Skyrim with a Zelda skin on it. That is all it is. And I'm going to piss the Nintendo fans even more. I'm going to really piss them off right now. Do it. Breath of the Wild came out in 2017. Horizon Zero Dawn came out the same year. Horizon, far better game. Mechanically, story, everything. Well, maybe not everything, but... I would say they're about tied, personally. We can have differences in opinion. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> yes, Sorry. we can. It's, it's Horizon. I'm going to force my opinion on you that we can have differences in opinion. <laughs> yeah, if you love Breath of the Wild, do your thing. I, I just, I can't. That weapon degrading system that's in that game makes me want to jump off my house. Yeah, I mean, I I like it. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I know it sounds like I'm hating on Breath of the Wild. I'm not. But maybe, you know what? Maybe I'm just, I've hit that point in my age where I'm just that crotchy old fucker 
that wants my games to be the way that I remember them. And Breath of the Wild is not a Zelda game to me. It's a open world where you have all of these mini dungeons that you have to go look for so that you can go pull out the Master Sword and go face Ganon and this, that, and the other. Like, it's got an interesting story to it. It's got a very classic Zelda story. But there's, like, my problem with Halo Infinite, and maybe this is just a problem with open world games as a whole, when you have the whole game take place over a huge, sprawling, open world you lose set pieces that are memorable. So just like with Halo, I have no moment where a scarab is going down a city, just destroying everything. And I don't, I don't have like a library moment where it's like, Oh shit, the flood are coming with breath of the wild. I have no like, Oh my God, this forest temple is so creepy or this water temple can suck a dick. I don't have any of those moments. Horizon does. Yeah. Horizon does. There's a lot of areas in Horizon Zero Dawn where it's like, holy shit, this is amazing. Some incredible set pieces and a lot of environmental storytelling. Yeah, I just, I love that world. I was just shitting on Breath of the Wild, but there is one thing that's great about that game, and that's the shrines. They're cool brain teasers, definitely. I'll give you that. But I just never felt like... I never had one particular shrine that was like, okay, this was just really hard. It racked my brain. I grinded through it for hours and just I hit the end. I beat the boss. I'm satisfied. There's like five bosses throughout the whole game. But anyway, I haven't even played Breath of the Wild. And that's I didn't even want to spend this much time on Zelda. So I'm getting off track. The game that I wanted to spend most of my time as far as the games we've played talking about um, is a game that just came out as we're recording this. I finally got to spend some time with it for about an hour and a half before we started recording, and that's uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Oh, okay. So I picked it up last night. I didn't get to play it. Um, so I think... Oh, that's right. We were all playing Halo last night. Um, and then I had to work today. So when I got home, we had dinner, and then I was like, I got to play a little bit because I want to be able to talk about it on the podcast because I'd gone back and forth on it because I'd bought Pokemon Shining Pearl and I just couldn't get into it. I was like, it's maybe I'm just I've grown out of Pokemon. Maybe it's time to move on. I was like, you know what? There's supposedly they've reinvented the series with this game. Let me give it one more shot. So I bought it and. The main thing that pushed me over the edge is like, you know what? There's nobody else on the podcast that's going to cover this game. I don't think Mike's going to pick it up. I know Jacques doesn't even have a Switch. Ash might when she comes on. It's still the Carol household, though. So Ash would follow my lead if I bought it. But she didn't even know what it was until I showed her the trailer this morning. So she thought it was just another Pokemon game like X and Y or Sword and Shield where, yeah, I mean, it was 3D, but it wasn't anything new. I will tell you, this is new. Hmm. They've changed and added so many mechanics, it actually feels like an open-world RPG. Really? Okay, maybe I'll check this one out, though. The village hmm. you start out on, like, they immediately start giving you side quests there was one quest in particular that gave me vibes from Ocarina of Time. Now we're back to Zelda. Oh, boy. Well, like, th what I mean by that is that there's a very specific side quest in Ocarina of Time. Um, it's the first mask that you need to sell. I think it was called the Keaton Mask. or it's, it's the mask that looks like a fox, but there's a guard that says he doesn't have time 
to go buy this mask. He really wants one. I think in the I think in Zelda was first kid or something like that. But he ends up wearing the mask when you buy it for him. Your first side quest in this one is a guard who wants to watch a uh, Wormpole evolve. Like, he wants to see it grow and this, that, and the other, but he doesn't have time to go catch one himself. And this is another thing that's interesting. This takes place in more so, like, feudal Japan, where humans and Pokemon are still trying to learn how to coexist, and the people are fucking terrified of Pokemon. They flat out tell you, it's like, hey, if you can't earn your keep in this village, you can't stay here, and you're probably going to die. Like, the Pokemon flat-out kill people in this game because they're hostile. Okay, I'm I'm a little bit more interested now. Okay. Yeah, like, they all have different temperaments. So, like, I mean, there's a Pokemon called Bidoof. It looks like a beaver squirrel thing. It's not aggressive. It's skittish. You can run right up to it and be like, okay, cool. How are you? But then there's other Pokemon that are flat-out skittish, like some of the bird types. They'll flat-out run away from you if they see you coming, then there's others that are aggressive that will attack you, and you can black out and die if you don't, like, do what you need to do to stay alive or run or battle or whatever it is you want to do. So it's a very, very in... I won't won't necessarily say in-depth, because you can definitely tell it's still easy enough for kids, but there's enough there that if you play a lot of RPGs, it'll keep you interested. I've only got like an hour in it at this point. But the fact that there's side quests and to fill out your Pokedex, it isn't just like a how, how it's been in the past. Where it's like, hey, you know, you have to encounter each Pokemon one time. In order to fill out your Pokedex, you have to catch multiples of the same Pokemon or observe them doing different things. Like each Pokemon has like six different entries on how to fill it out. So it isn't just catch it and then you just learn everything there's about it. You actually have to catch this thing, study it, observe it in everything in order to fill it out. Okay. All right. There's also variants of some of the same different types of Pokemon. So my interest is definitely peaked and I'm already like, yeah, I'm going to go trade in Shining Pearl. I can't get into it, but this one I'll probably stick with and I'm very excited to see where it goes from here. That's great to hear, because I know you've been kind of lukewarm with the recent Pokemon games. I mean, you were just talking about it. It's nice to hear that there's one now that's really grabbing your attention. So I hope you finish it, because I would love to hear the rest of your thoughts on it. The only thing I will say is that, and this is something that I've been saying for years, Nintendo honestly feels like a AAA indie developer. Yeah, I've been saying that too. <laughs> Graphically, this game is not impressive. Um the animations are a little jarring. The art style is very Nintendo-ish. But, like, there's a section where your your main character wakes up because I don't know what it is about Nintendo and having their heroes, like, wake up in a world they don't understand and then they have to go save the day or whatever. Same thing happens with this game. You wake up, your character's lost. People are like, you look really weird, blah, 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 blah. But you wake up looking at the Pokemon and you can see the hard edges and some of the round Pokemon, oh. like all the vertices. And I'm like, it is 2022. Come on. How hard is it to do a soft oval? Yeah, I was going to say the switch is limited, but something that basic they can get right on there. That's not a that's not an issue. <laughs> it's an owl Pokemon. It's round. It's a circle. Can't do that. Sorry. That's too much. <laughs> too much for us. The Switch can't handle that. 
But anyway, I mean, overall, I mean, as long as you can look past that, I think it's going to be a solid game. Like I said, I'm only an hour in, but the fact that it's a Pokemon game with all of these new mechanics, I'm very optimistic. Here's the thing, Andy. I've been a Pokemon fan between the ages 9 and 12. I haven't been a fan since. I haven't watched anything. I haven't played anything, collected nothing. I'm the OG Pokemon roster guy. Gotcha. The Charmander, the Squirtle, the Pikachus, and all that. So I don't know if I'm really going to get into it if I tried to play it, because I know there's going to be a lot of the new Pokemon that's been in the franchise for the past like 15 years, like all the new guys. I'm going to be like, I don't know any of these dudes. I wish there was a way I could just turn on the original roster and just play the game like that. That would be nice. I mean, I will say there's definitely some of the originals. Um, I think I think I've seen four of the original Pokemon in the opening hour. So you won't be completely lost and you can definitely build a roster out of original Pokemon only. I mean, I'm kind of the same same as you. I'm very I'm, I'm a sucker for the original 150 and it usually doesn't matter what generation of Pokemon they're doing. My first things are like, all right, let me get some as much of my original team as I can, and I just rock with that. For all the hardcore ones that love every new Pokemon that comes out, good for you. I think you'll like this too. But for guys like me and Mike, please just include some of the more of the originals. That's all we ask. Um, Unless you have anything else to add for what we've been playing, I know I'm done with my list, and I've got nothing left to say. The only thing i'll mention is i beat captain toad i'm not gonna go into it here i talked about it a lot in the was it episode 32 so if you want to hear my thoughts on captain code code captain Captain code Code. yeah Yeah, if you want to hear my thoughts on that go check out that episode as for bowser's fury i haven't touched it since it's not that i don't enjoy it it's not that i've lost interest it's just i have other games i want to tackle right now but I will go back to it. When you said Bowser's Fury was an entirely different game, that piqued my interest super hard. I'm like, I need to get this because I originally wasn't going to get it because I wasn't the biggest fan of 3D World, to be perfectly honest. But that got my attention. I don't know if it's worth $60. Don't buy it just for that. Well, I mean, the other thing, I mean, like <laughs> so. I said, I wasn't a biggest fan of it. But when I played it, I think I was working for GameStop at the time. And I had checked it out, but now that I'm a little bit older and I appreciate some of the older stuff, and now me and Ash live together, because at the time we were just dating, it's like I didn't have anybody to play it with. I mean, if I had somebody to co-op with me, I think I would enjoy it a bit more. Well, if you see it go on sale, which it never does, <laughs> go pick it up. But I could go trade in Pokemon Pearl and put that towards 3D World. Yeah, there you go. Moving on to the inventory, we have, see, as I'm looking at it, four items. It tripped me up because I have five bullet points, but two are tied together. I think we're going to get the bad news out of the way first. Uh Uh-oh. For those of us that have been keeping up with PlayStation Plus and games with gold, I know that's one of the things that I look forward to the most at the end of every month, um, other than my commission check. I look forward to PlayStation Plus and Games with Gold. What a downer this month, man. Like, what the fuck? I, 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 I don't even have words for it. I'm facepalming right now. You can't see it. And I'm literally facepalming. 
right you would, now. I'm not you just making that up. Between PlayStation and Xbox, we would get one game that's like, hey, you know, that that game was critically acclaimed and I never tried it out. I think I'm going to try it this time. None of that this year. Or not this year, this month. On PlayStation Plus, you get UFC 4, Planet Coaster Console Edition, uh, Tiny Tina's Assault on the Dragon Keep, and then Games with Gold, uh, buckle up because you're about to be disappointed. Broken Sword 5, The Serpent's Curse, Aerial Knights Never Yield, and then for backwards compatibility, you get Hydrophobia and Band of Bugs. Are you shocked? Are your jaws on the floor? Are you excited? If you are, please leave me a comment because I want to know what's wrong with you. I, 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 God, I'm losing my words because I, I can't believe how bad these games are. Hydrophobia sucks. I own that game. I bought it back in the day on the 360. That's not a good Did game. Did you really? Yeah, it has very cool water physics, but that's about it. Well, I'd hope so with a name like Hydrophobia. As for a band of bugs, that's that game where you play as your avatars. Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah, the avatars are on the box art. I played the demo of it back in the day. I wasn't a fan. And the Xbox One games they're handing out are just... Bleh. I think one of them is a point-and-click game. The first one you mentioned. What's the name of it? Uh, Broken Sword 5. Yeah, that's a point-and-click. I've never heard of the other one, so I can't comment on that. And then, of course, you got PlayStation Plus, which wins the month by default. Because at least there's some good stuff in there, and I, and I know it's still a shit month, but the Tiny Tina expansion for Borderlands 2, it's good. The problem with that is it's a $10 download, and I've seen this thing go on sale for two ninety nine. Yeah, that's sad. And the people who really wanted to play this already played it because it was in the Borderlands 2 Game of the Year collection or whatever the hell they called it. The Handsome Jack collection. And it's funny. That's the best one in the lot because you got then you got UFC. Yeah. And then you've got Planet Coaster uh, console edition. Uh, you know what, though? I, I did have a question. This might be an interesting topic. Um, do you really think there's a place for games with gold now that Game Pass is a part of that subscription? Because uh, I'll be honest. I don't think games with gold matters at this point. There is something they can do with it. Just give us banger 360 games. Give us the really good backwards compatibility games because Xbox Game Pass doesn't have a lot of 360 games. Sure, it has the Gears of War and the Halos and that. If, if you don't include the EA games, there's really nothing there. And you have to be an Ultimate member to get the EA 360 games. But if you take that away and the Gears and the Halo, there's really no 360 games on the service. The fact that you're bringing up backwards compatibility in 360, I'm guessing you have some titles specifically in mind that you would like to see. Yeah, and I'm sure they've given them out before. Maybe that's the problem because they don't double dip with games with gold. Right. The same with Sony, with PlayStation Plus. They don't give out the same game twice. But maybe they should tweak those rules a little bit and give out, like, I don't know, Left 4 Dead or like anything. Just any of the old great games. I'd rather have a 9 out of 10 2006 7 game that everybody loves than a shitty Xbox One game that nobody's ever heard of. So, do you think at this point it might be time to start double dipping again? Because. Yes. Yes. 
Games with Gold, I, I think it's been going on longer than PlayStation Plus, because, I mean, back in 360 days, it was, it consistently beat the shit out of PlayStation Plus month over month. And over the years, I mean, that role's kind of reversed, but like you just pointed out, it could be just the fact that, you know, Games with Gold has already put out their bangers one time. It might be time just to go back, because I, I feel like I remember Left 4 Dead being on games with gold one year there's been plenty of years where when we didn't have xbox live we didn't have an xbox or maybe we didn't have gold that month and we missed out on a lot of those handouts so do it again and if you already redeemed them then i don't know what to say we can't please everybody here <laughs> i'm just trying to give them an option i mean another way that they could do it i mean they could probably take Almost rebrand it in a way, like Games with Gold Classic Edition, and instead of just re-giving those yeah. games, maybe those games come to Game Pass for a little bit? I I, I don't know. Um, Like I said, we're getting the bad news out of the way first. All bad vibes gone. On to good things. Depending on where you stand with this next one. Um, We got our first trailer for the Halo show today. Uh, again, I mean, obviously you guys are going to hear this on Thursday, so it's been out for a couple days. But for us, this is brand spanking new, so you're getting some hot takes from us. Me and Mike, we agree on some things. I'm a petty bitch when it comes to lore. So, Mike, <laughs> uh, who do you want to go first here? You're the Halo guy. I think you should go first. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'll I'll start. You know what? We'll continue all the negativity first, so I will be the last negative thing you guys hear um, in the inventory, because I'm excited for everything else. I'm so tired of video game adaptations changing lore, because for whatever reason, just whoever they got to do it just was like, I need to introduce my own creative vision. I can't be constrained by your existing stories. They've said on record... (laughs) that the Halo show is not going to be canon, that they're going to do things their own way. But, I mean, I know it's a trailer, and I haven't heard everything. You guys can't see me, but I have my hands covering my eyes because I'm so frustrated. There are so many things I could take away from this. It's like It sounds like they are changing so many basic things that I know from Halo lore because I've read so many books and listened to Halo books. There's so many good stories already established. I don't know why we're so fixated on building lore around the Master Chief. Like, there, there's stories past that that they could easily tell. You could do a Band of Brothers-style Halo story that doesn't center around the Chief. He could have cameos. Mm. But we've got to force story around the Chief, and if people don't feel like, you know, looking at the established lore already... They're like, fuck it, let's do our own thing and just say it's not canon. And I know a lot of people out there are going to eat it up. I'm happy for you. I hope everybody loves this show. I do. Don't think I'm like begrudging y'all's happiness like a toxic Star Wars fan. But for me, I'm disappointed at the fact that some of those stories that I know are amazing just are not going to be shared with some of the other Halo fans out there. Star Wars fans say the same thing when it comes to the sequel trilogy. Oh, they didn't follow the books. Oh, God. And they should have done that and not what they did. And 
Yeah, that's probably true now after the, after the trilogy's finished. Yeah, I, I probably would have preferred the books. <laughs> and I wasn't really crazy about that storyline. So, yeah. When they announced The Force Awakens and they said, you know, we're changing things up. To be honest, I gave Disney a pass. I was like, you know what? There is so much lore out there. I understand not trying to know everything because it would probably take them years just to get all of that digested before they could even start trying to fit their own stories into that. So that's that's fine. Yeah. I get I get that. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking at what they created, I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? But yeah, as for the trailer, I, I thought it looked great. I mean, it looked like Halo. That's the positive stuff that I had to say, too. I'm one of those guys who didn't like Cortana's look in the trailer. I No. I mean, it's only a few seconds. Let me see an actual scene of her. Maybe it'll look better. But from what they just showed us, I'm not crazy about the look. You know what she looked like to me? She looked like the AI from the Spirit of Fire in Halo Wars 1. Yeah, yeah, you're right. A little bit. Yeah, I can see that. See, now I was expecting the show to deviate from the established lore. I was expecting that. So when I saw the trailer, I wasn't surprised or any of that. But yeah, Master Chief looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. The CGI, for the most part, looks pretty damn good. Like the Covenant look nice now it's not steve down's voice but i get why they went with somebody else i'm just gonna have to get used to it but yeah i'm looking forward to the show i'm gonna give it a chance i'm not too deep in the halo lore so i didn't pick up a lot of these things that indy was seeing i just hope the show's good i hope it's not a generic mess i mean i'll definitely say aesthetically it looks good it looks like a high-budget Halo series that everybody's been waiting for. I know some things are going to change. I expected things to change. I think I'm more so just frustrated that this is a pattern that I keep seeing more so than the fact that they changed it. Like I said, I or like you said as well, I mean, I expected it. It's, it's getting old watching all of these stories get changed because reasons. The next item on the inventory, actually the next two items are Star Wars related. Shocker for this oh. podcast. Um, we got three new, well, not really games announced so much as we were told that there are games that are coming. They've confirmed that there's going to be a new uh, entry in the Fallen Order franchise. Or Jedi franchise is what they actually said. I don't know if they're going to continue Fallen Order, if they're just going to kind of jump around, or what's going to happen. Um, they announced a new first-person shooter, um, and they also announced a strategy game um, that's a collaboration between Respawn and Bit Reactor. Which, actually, I meant to look up anything that that developer may have made, because it was the first time that I had heard of them. Well, I'm doing that. Uh, Mike, what were your thoughts on that? They're really doubling down with Respawn. They're like, here, here's three Star Wars ideas. Do it. (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) I know they have a massive studio, but I'm starting to wonder if they're taking on too much. They're working on a lot of games. But maybe they have all their ducks in a row. I don't know. I'm not there. I don't know what's going on behind the walls. 
maybe everything's okay, but it just feels like they're fighting a little too much right now. But time will tell. So, Mike, had you looked up anything about Bitreactor, did you know that name at all? No, never heard of him. You'll actually probably be excited about this, because now I'm even more excited now after what I'm just reading. Bitreactor, a new game studio founded by former Fire Axis Games lead developers and creators who built the critically acclaimed and award-winning modern XCOM series. So, XCOM Star Wars. Oh, please. Please right? give me that. I would. Oh, God, I would love that. All of these things sound so wonderful. My skin's crawling. Just give me an XCOM Star Wars. <laughs> I will be there day one. Please. I, I love the XCOM games. Those are so much fun. Oh, man. What era would you want it to take in, though? Would you want a Clone Wars uh, XCOM, a Galactic Civil War, or the sequels? You know what? Give me a little High Republic. Why not? I'm not crazy about that right now, but I haven't seen enough of it yet to really judge that timeline. I know Star Wars Eclipse is going to be during the High Republic, and from what they showed us in that one trailer, my interest has peaked, so... Let's do a little more in that time period. I actually saw something. Um, I think it was a TikTok, and this did not make the inventory list. It's just because you brought it up, but it was talking about what kind of game um, it's going to be. And I want to say they said it was going to be very similar to Fallen Order as far as combat goes. But it was going to it was going to combine Fallen Order and the like super diversing stories that they're known for. So I mean that'll be interesting. I mean, like I said, it's a rumor, and we typically don't talk about rumors on this show. But when I'm thinking about gameplay mechanics for Star Wars games, it's an interesting thought. Uh, Our last item on the inventory is something that, I mean, I guess it's not really news. It's a game that's not coming out anymore, but some unreleased footage of 1313 um, came out. Uh, Mike, did you get a chance to check that out? I didn't watch any of it. I'm sorry. You know what? I could actually pull it up on my phone right now while you're talking. Let me see. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let me know when you've got it up and I'll just kind of talk about it as we're going. In the meantime, I'm going to take a cool, refreshing drink of Propel, brought to you by Gatorade. We're not sponsored by Gatorade. so We're not sponsored <laughs> by Gatorade. We just like to pretend that we're sponsored by various um, companies. Um, for example, Jacques Stream is sponsored by Monster, Unleash the Beast. Um, Ashley Stream, I think it's safe to say, wants to be sponsored by Doritos. And I am sponsored by whatever the fuck I'm drinking at that moment. For those that don't know, because, I mean, I know me, Mike, and Jacques, and some of our fans, or fans, I'm sure some of our fans do, but our friends um, know that 1313 was supposed to be a Boba Fett game that was being made, I think it was by one of the developers from Naughty Dog that worked on Uncharted, but it was supposed to be, like, an Uncharted Boba Fett game, is what it was supposed to be. Okay, I'm watching it right now. Wow, this is uh, very unfinished. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's ex- it's very, very rough. Um, Holy shit. Oh, okay. But you catch a glimpse of what it could have been. Um, to me, it looks like it was headed in the direction of next-gen um, Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Like, it looks a little bit like Bounty Hunter 2. Yeah, this is Boba Fett Uncharted. 
Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I love that name and that word put together. It's another Star Wars game that sounds phenomenal to me, but we never got it. Where the hell is this jetpack? He's just running around all over the place in this gameplay footage chasing guys. This is Boba Fett when he's up and coming. Um, oh, when I, okay. I read the article, and what it is, is it's apparently... It, I almost feel like the Mandalorian took some of the inspiration for 1313 and decided to do it. Because 1313 was going to be Boba Fett putting together all of his gear throughout that game. And it was going to end with him having the classic green look, and he was going to have his uh, jetpack. He was going to resemble how we see him in Empire Strikes Back. I would have loved to have seen it. I wish we could have got it. But, I mean, it is what it is. It's At this point, it's just it's fun to dream, and I hope we get something like that here in the future. I think you will. Mandalorian show and the Boba Fett show are popular right now. I have a feeling somebody has plans to make a Boba Fett game. Well, according to uh, your Disney stockholder guy, they're leaning hard into Boba Fett, so we probably will. He's not my Disney stockholder guy. It's just some dude I met at the supermarket that claimed. You can protect his identity. It's okay. Yeah, I I wish I knew some Disney stockholders. That'd be great. Right? It'd be awesome. (laughs) I'd be like, all right, so what's coming? It's coming. I won't say anything. Exactly. We're not going to leak it on our totally anonymous podcast that only a handful of people listen to. But yeah, that's it for the news. There's nothing else interesting that happened in the world of gaming at all yeah, in the past two weeks. Bullshit. Yeah, nah, yeah no. No. <laughs> so now we are um, definitely moving on to the topic of the show. Those of you that have already looked at the thumbnail, you know what we're about to tackle. And it was such bad timing on their part. How dare they um, make this deal on the week that we were supposed to record our game awards because (laughs) there was some deliberation back and forth between all of us. Like, guys, how do we how do we do this? Because this is probably the biggest thing that's happened in gaming in years, if ever. And we've already dedicated to a game award show like we don't have time. So. We've pushed it to this week, which I'm actually kind of glad we did because a lot of stuff has happened. Some people have said a few things. We're obviously talking about Activision being bought out by Microsoft and what that means for gamers. I've heard a lot of things. People saying it's anti-consumer, this, that, and the other. I know everybody probably knows this already, but how much did they spend? $68.7 billion. Yeah, it's not that much. So I've got a few bullet points. I'm just going to kind of run through some of the things that have been said. Um, The first one was how much they paid for it. Uh, When will the deal be done? It's kind of like a a Comcast or AT&T window of when they're going to do an installation at your house. It's somewhere between July 2022 and July 2023. We'll be there somewhere between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. The other thing was, will Activision Blizzard games come to Game Pass now? Yes, that is part of Microsoft's plan. Will Activision Blizzard games be Xbox and PC exclusive now? Uh, Microsoft has said it'll honor existing Sony contracts and won't make Call of Duty exclusive right away, but it's likely that some of Activision Blizzard's future games won't come to PlayStation, 
uh, their precedent after Microsoft bought Bethesda, we learned that Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 were going to be Xbox and PC exclusives, which is very interesting because it seems like Microsoft picks and chooses what's going to be exclusive, what's not. Because when they bought Minecraft, I mean, that already existed on PlayStation, but they kept it running because they did Minecraft Dungeons, and they released that on PS4 as well as Xbox, and they didn't have to do that because it was something new. But then they buy Bethesda, and they're like, no, we just paid all this money. It's going to stay with us, and now they just bought Activision. Yeah, I think they're going to do that with Call of Duty at the end of the day. I, I know they're honoring the current contracts right now, but I have a feeling they're going to be like, yeah, we'll throw that on PlayStation. That'll be the only bone we'll throw over there they're very choosy with their words i know it's like every time there's a press release i mean naturally i'm like all right how can i twist this to where you're not saying what you're saying um and there are plenty of ways it can be moved around the other parts um the questions everybody has is bobby kotick still the ceo of actors and blizzard um as of right now yes um but everybody's thinking he's gonna leave shortly after that deal is done and he's going to walk away much, much richer. Um, which, I mean, if you've been the CEO since the fucking 90s, I mean, the guy kind of saved Activision back then. So, yeah, he's he's going to walk away with a nice check. Um, Activision Blizzard is reportedly committed to releasing at least three more Call of Duty games on PlayStation. So that's one of those choosy things, because I think their exact words are something along the lines of like legacy games that are on PlayStation or platforms will stay on PlayStation, which of course they're talking about Warzone. I mean, Warzone already exists there. It'll stay there. Warzone is meant to be this platform um, for all Call of Duty games to kind of exist in this weird Call of Duty metaverse. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that, you know, Call of Duty four games from now is going to release on PlayStation. You may still have Warzone. You may still have some of the cosmetics, but that doesn't mean you get the game. The last thing that I've seen that I thought was kind of funny, a French retailer apparently put signs uh, on their PlayStation 5 stuff <laughs> yeah. saying yeah. that Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard, so beware. Not not those words exactly, I'm paraphrasing, but I thought that was so funny. Oh, God. I wish I saw that around here. That'd be great. <laughs> now, everybody's just worried about Microsoft taking all these games away from PlayStation. And I do think they're going to take a lot of these games away in the future, you know, after all of the existing deals have expired. Uh, I don't think Call of Duty is one of them. I really do think Call of Duty is going to be on both. Yeah. I think they're going to see the uh, revenue. Well, they know the revenue that that franchise generates. Why cut that in half? But when it comes to like Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, even Diablo, um, all of those other ones, Overwatch, the list goes on. Yeah. I think Microsoft's going to pull those over and try to get more people over into the Xbox ecosystem. And plus, this is this also could be a play to get the Xbox Game Pass on PlayStation because I, I guarantee you Microsoft mm -hmm. wants that to happen. I really do think they've been knocking on their door every time and asking, hey, you want the Bethesda games? Get a game pass on there, and they told them no. And now they're probably knocking on their door again. Yeah, we got Activision. Yeah, we, you can have them on there, you know, if you get game pass. and yeah, It's going to happen at some point. I, I really do think it's going to come to PlayStation at some point in some weird form. I, maybe not the full version like you get on Xbox, but I think it's inevitable. At some point, Sony's going to cave in if Microsoft keeps buying more and more and more. Like, if they buy EA and take two... 
and even Ubisoft, if they get those three, Sony's just going to have to submit. And that goes into a whole other thing with Microsoft being monopolistic. And Are they a monopoly now? Are they getting close to it? But yeah. who knows? I, I, they got to do a lot more to be uh, accused of that because these major companies, Disney included, they just get away with a whole bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. And I think Microsoft is one of them. I know Microsoft had some issues with monopoly accusations back in the day with, I think with software or something, but when it comes to entertainment stuff, they don't even get a slap on the wrist. Like Disney's not getting any slaps on the wrist and they're just buying everything. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, the other things that we have to kind of figure out, I mean, is this good or is this bad for consumers? Um, what does it mean for us? I think as far as the future of Call of Duty is concerned, I think a lot of that depends on how Sony reacts to this um, and what their next move is going to be. Because it can go one of two ways, right? I mean, it can either become this content war between Sony and Microsoft where Microsoft has kind of drawn a line in the sand, um, which I don't even think they've done that at this point. I think they've just kind of... They've taken the board and they've rearranged it. And now they're waiting to see if Sony is the one that puts that line in the sand. And if Sony responds like, you know, fuck you, we're doubling down on our own stuff. We'll buy our own studios. Then you're going to start seeing where Microsoft may go on the war path and be like, all right, is that is that really how you want to play this? Because we have cash and you have to take credit. I mean, when you compare the wealth of Microsoft versus Sony, if Sony draws a line in the sand, it's like, all right, it's going to turn into a content war of buying up studios. Sony is going to be fighting an uphill battle. Like when you compare the capital between the two, it's not even close. They can't win. They, they no. can't win in that fight. They're going to have to try different things. The only options I think they have on the table right now is make more deals with third parties. They might be able to buy a few developers here and there, but. I really hope they don't go down the let's buy some publishers road because they really can't afford them. The thing they really need to do, though, is get a first person shooter. Microsoft owns a lot of them now after all these acquisitions. I agree. They got Doom and Halo and God, the list goes on. I'm not going to mention all of them, but they got so many. Wolfenstein. They own Wolfenstein now. Sony gave us Predator Hunting Grounds. And that game sucked. So make some new ones or bring back some of the old IPs like Resistance. I mean, I want to see Resistance come back, but I still don't think that's enough. I think they need to make brand new shit. It's not going to be the first person shooter competition for Call of Duty by any means. So real quick, we've got to pause the Activision conversation for just a second. And you may need to do some audio tricks to make this fit. Uh-oh, what's going on? It's ready now, so we're going to do my surprise mechanic right now. Okay, all right. Um, Ashley has made me your fucking oatmeal. Oh, you're going to do it on the show. <laughs> I this My surprise mechanic is I am giving a live reaction to your oatmeal here on the show, and you've said repeatedly you have to eat it while it's warm. Yes, that's right. Okay, I'll, that's completely understandable. All right, I get it. You, you got to do that now. We can't wait yeah. and have him eat cold oatmeal at the end of the episode. And you know yeah. what? Right. We don't even need to cut it up because you know what? Maybe it'll be funny for this to happen in the middle of the Activision talks. Oh, no, this is perfect. No, we're leaving it in just like this. I'm not editing <laughs> it. All right. 
Maybe we should let the listeners know, some of the new listeners know what the hell's going on, because they might okay, be so, completely yes, lost. Okay, so yes, because I know we've acquired uh, some new listeners since this whole thing has gone down. So Mike has an oatmeal recipe that is very controversial, to say the least. Um, it is oatmeal with salt to taste, peanut butter, strawberry preserves... And then a hard-boiled egg, chopped up, all mixed together. Um, I have a slight variation of that. Everything is, is exactly as I said it, only I have strawberry and blackberry preserves mixed together. I said early on in the Twitch streams that if we get to 25 followers, which is the halfway mark for affiliate, that I would try his oatmeal. Why I set the bar low, I don't know. I think it was a good stream, and I was like, you know what? Maybe we can hit it in one night if I if I bring this. It didn't happen. So now I'm like, fuck, I should have just waited until we hit 50. But I am a man of my word, and I'm going to try this oatmeal right now. Now, make sure you get a little of each thing. Get a nice big chunk in your mouth. I've actually been mixing it up as you've been talking about Activision. Oh, I've had okay. it in my hand for about two minutes. It tastes better when it's all on top of the thing and you just scoop it instead of stirring it around. But, you know, it's fine stirred around, too. You just go ahead. There's a lot of peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made you one packet. So they don't want to waste it. All right. I got a good chunk here. That's eggs, everything. Okay. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's see. What does Indy think of my recipe? What? It's actually good. <laughs> I told you. I told you the salt, the egg, and the peanut butter, and the jelly. It creates this interesting flavor in your mouth, and it all works. You really don't taste the egg that much. Yeah, but it gives you that extra protein. Yeah. Yeah, a little extra protein's good. I, I do taste it, but I, I, I put chunks of it on top. I don't mix it in the oatmeal. I don't stir it around or anything like that. I just throw everything on top, and then I just start eating it. I hate that I like this. This is actually really fucking good. Peanut butter and jelly oatmeal. That's exactly what it is. It's peanut butter and jelly oatmeal with an egg in it. Yeah, just think of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, except oatmeal. You really don't taste the egg. All it does is just give it a different texture. We all need that a little extra protein in our diet, and the egg helps with that. Sure, you could put nuts in there. You could go do other things, whatever you want to do, but I like an egg. Yeah. I like that egg texture rolling around in my mouth. I like how it feels on the lips and the not, – not the lips, the tongue. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I no, smear it over my lips. very sensual in here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was, I did one spoonful of crunchy peanut butter because that's all we have in the house. I like crunchy peanut butter. That's perfect. Well, I don't use cr uh, creamy and then one spoonful. So we had a perfect ratio of both peanut butter and jelly. And it's packed with energy. There's a lot of energy in that. You got a good source of carbohydrates. You got the protein in the peanut butter. You got the protein in the egg. The jelly is just the nice little dessert sweet taste. He is scraping the bowl clean. All right, Jacques, you're next. You're next. You got to make it. You got to make it now. I'm a believer. I'm now an advocate for the weird ass um, oatmeal recipe. It's good, guys. Told you. I wasn't crazy. Mike, well, I apologize. 
compliments to the chef that made it. For you better you. apologize yes. to me. Uh, my uh, yes, uh, compliments to Ashley for doing very well putting that together for me. Let the record show, by the way. I actually don't usually care for oatmeal. I don't like it. That was really good. That was straight up like. That was a peanut butter and jelly breakfast dish. That's exactly what it was. I'm blown away right now. <laughs> People are like, what the hell is this show about? Like, we're talking about Activision one second, and then all of a sudden, we're eating. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the chaos. Get used to it. Stick around. I'm serious, Jacques. You got to try it next. I uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm with Mike, Jacques. You, you got to try it. Anyways, back to Activision and Xbox. <laughs> we are talking about Sony needing a first-person shooter. Um, I don't know what they do. Like, do they resurrect the SOCOM series? Yes, and make they it a should do that. Shooter? Yes. I mean, I think they should do that regardless. It, even if they do a tactical sim military thing again, I need that back to give me back that old Tom Clancy vibe. Regardless, if they make a first-person shooter third-person tactical sim, I'm happy with whatever. Bring back SOCOM, bring back Resistance, Killzone you can leave on ice right now. Maybe at some point we can bring it back. Well, they're and making then, Horizon. Leave them alone. Yeah, please. Yeah, and People keep asking for them to go back. It's the same people who ask Naughty Dog to go back to Jack and Daxter. I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. They're making better things now. Hey, I'm not saying we, we don't need another Jack and Daxter. If they want to make another one, get a different developer to work on it. I don't need Naughty Dog wasting time on Jack and Daxter. And I like those games, but I, I just don't want them to do that. They have better things to do. Like, give me t Part 3. That's if what I want. If they were to make another Jack and Daxter, my ideal selection would be Vicarious Visions. But that brings us right back where we are. <laughs> But yeah, just bring back some of the old stuff and then make a few new ones. That way you can have yeah. like f four or five shooters in your roster. Yeah. They gotta, they gotta have something. Now, and some are saying, well, you shoot in Last of Us and you shoot shit in Uncharted, but those aren't no. shooters. It has shooting elements in it, but it's not a shooter. Shooter falls into a couple different styles. Like, there's the action movie um, shooter like Last of Us or Uncharted is a very good example of that. And then there's Michael Bay. Call of Duty is Michael Bay shooter, where it's just over the top, Definitely. just stupid. And that's what Sony needs. If they were not going to make a new IP to try and compete and they need to use an existing franchise, I think it's time to bring back SOCOM, and that's your competitor. Now, just to go back to Activision and Microsoft shit, I do think we're going to get the Activision games on Game Pass this year. Now, I know the deal goes into effect next year, but I have a feeling Phil Spencer, Microsoft, all of them made sure that in that deal that they signed with Activision to buy them, that they could put... Game Pass games on the service this year. Oh, I have absolutely. a feeling it's in there. It's written down in there somewhere where they got to put all the Activision games on Game Pass, let's say June 1st. I have a feeling that's going to happen. So I don't think you're, we're going to have to wait till next year to see this massive catalog of games to show up on Game Pass. 
you'll at least get a couple things. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you get the insane trilogy, um, like Crash CTR Racing, uh, CTR Racing, the Spyro Reignited uh, trilogy, and Tony Hawk's one and two. Like, if I'm thinking, how do they do like a soft open? Those are the four games that come to Game Pass as like, hey, we intend to do this. They could probably put some of the old Call of Duty titles on there. Well, at some point, they're probably all going to be on there. What am I saying? Yeah, it'll be backlogged. And you're going to have the 360 versions, too. Just Call of Duty alone. Shit, this could be a crazy amount of them on Game Pass. Um, I have some talking points kind of pre-established just to kind of help kind of lead us through our thoughts on it. But yeah, I mean, initial thoughts. I mean, now that we've had like a week to digest this, um, how do you feel about it? Coming from an Xbox fan's point of view, I think it's great. We're going to get a whole new slew of shit on Game Pass. And the great thing about this deal, we're going to get a lot of old dormant IPs. Yes. That haven't been used in God knows how long. I think they're going to resurrect a bunch of shit. Not everything, but I think there's going to be a decent amount of stuff coming back. That excites me because under the previous leadership, just Activision by themselves, they probably had zero plans to do that stuff. They don't want to go back to singularity or prototype or what. I don't know if they'll go back to prototype, but who knows? Maybe. Uh, yeah, all of those are dead. Yeah. In the old leadership. But with Xbox... I can see them coming. I don't think they're going to bring Guitar Hero back. I know they mentioned it. I think they're just being nice and just yeah. saying, oh, yeah, Guitar Hero. Yeah, that that seems like a nightmare, getting all that music back into the games. And the, here it's just a expensive project to make a Guitar Hero game. And people don't want to use the freaking plastic instruments anymore. No. There's landfills of that all over the place. So I, I don't <laughs> think they're going to go back to that. But the other side of me doesn't know how this is going to affect the ecosystem. Yeah. I I don't know what's going to happen. What what kind of effects is this going to have a few years down the line? I don't know. And that kind of worries me a little bit. Yeah, I I don't know which side I'm leaning towards, but it's just kind of uncharted waters right now. I I really don't know. I, I just hope this doesn't affect PlayStation's brand in a negative way. Like, they have to be more aggressive buying a whole bunch of shit because I don't want them just going out buying a bunch of publishers. I don't want a no. publisher war between the two. I don't want like to force because let, let's be honest with this generation. I do think you got to have both PlayStation and the Xbox. You can't just pick one anymore because Microsoft's buying a whole bunch of shit up. And I think Sony's going to probably do a little of that soon as well. It, it just sucks if you're only on one side of the fence. It does. It really and, is. And no, this really sucks for the PlayStation guys. Yeah, you're going to get your Call of Duty for the next few years, but after that, we don't know. And that, I mean, that kind of leads into my thoughts. I mean, as far as how I feel about it, I'm, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. And the reason why I say that is because I think if, uh, I'll, I'll say this, um, I have some pros that I think is good for this. Um, you kind of touched on it. Um, Activision owns so many studios that have been folded into Call of Duty support pillars. Um, like they're just holding up Call of Duty at this point. Like 
I don't even think you need to go far as back as prototype vicarious visions um, and toys for Bob. I mean, they did the insane trilogy. They did the Spyro reignited trilogy. Both games sold really well, showing that there is an audience out there that wants these titles to come back. And shortly after those games came back, they were moved into, all right, now you guys are going to go support call of duty because call of duty's numbers are tanking. And that's our, that's our bread and butter under Microsoft. That doesn't have to happen. Honestly, I don't want Call of Duty to be an annual franchise anymore. I think for so many years now, um, and I know I have personally have felt it for probably, I almost want to say the past 10 years almost, Call of Duty is suffering from uh, franchise fatigue. Yeah. Just like Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I was actually about to say that. Yeah, best thing that happened to Assassin's Creed was the annual releases stopped. Ever since then, um, uh, Origins, Odyssey, Valhalla, Assassin's Creed is critically acclaimed again for the first time. And, well, I won't say for the first time in forever, but the last one you got that was an annual release was Syndicate, and that was lukewarm. Before that, it was Unity, which was uh, a fucking shit show. So Call of Duty is very much so starting to fall into those lines. And I don't care how many developers you throw at it. People are fucking tired of it. I'm sorry. And then when you throw in the toxic work environment that has come to light, people start to hate Activision even more. A studio that was already under fire. So they set themselves up to be bought up from Microsoft. I know everybody's saying that this is anti-consumer. This coming to Microsoft is a bad thing. But I will ask all the PlayStation fanboys out there, how would this have looked if PlayStation had been the one to buy Microsoft or buy Activision? Microsoft repeatedly is like just so excited to share their games with everybody. I mean, fuck, what was it? Um, It wasn't that long ago there was talk that Microsoft wanted to put Master Chief Collection on a PS4. Yeah, I think Colin Moriarty mentioned that quite a few times over the years because he used to work at IGN and now he's at his own company, uh, Last Stand Media. Yeah, he said that there was talks of that. Like, it happened. And that's Microsoft's endgame. They want Game Pass on everything. They want it on everything. They want to be everywhere. For me personally, I think exclusives in general are bad for the consumer. If I want to go to the movies, like let's say I want to go watch Spider-Man, I don't want to have to pay like a subscription. Well, not necessarily a subscription, but I don't want to have to pay a premium at the movie theater to go see it at this specific movie theater because this movie theater has the exclusive. I mean, it's probably a bad example. So like AMC or Regal or whatever, they will have exclusives like, hey, we get to show this movie. But you get what I'm saying to where it's like, I don't need a huge entry fee, like a $400 console gatekeeping this experience for me because I can only afford one or the other. That in itself is anti-consumer. I think the middle ground is these games like Sony's games. What they're doing now is going to come to PC. So there's another way you can play them. But you got to remember, Indy, these consoles still need some sort of an identity. Like they need to have exclusives exclusives do matter like they do matter to these like uh to these companies and and the the fans like it gives them a a reason to enjoy the product that they purchased uh, the consumers and stuff like they they have something there 
that's just for them. If, if every if every console had the same games on all three, I would just pick one then. I would just pick one. It's, that's that's one of the things that Sony's looking at. They're like, uh, they're a little worried about that because they want people to still buy PlayStation. And as of right now, that's still the number one selling console. It's still beating Xbox because yeah. PlayStation is just a bigger name when you compare it to Xbox. But Microsoft is making moves to try to change that. And like I said earlier uh, in the topic, I do think they're buying these publishers to force Sony to bend. Yes, absolutely. I don't think they're done, Microsoft. I don't think they're done buying publishers. I think they're going to go after another big one. And I have a feeling, Indy, it's going to be Ubisoft. Oh, you're thinking Ubisoft? Because Ubisoft is another publisher that's struggling in some areas now. And I think Microsoft sees that. And they definitely saw that with Activision, with all the shit that was going on with them. They're like, this is our opportunity to get them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know they were smelling blood in the water. That's exactly what they did with... Well, I can't say for sure. I don't know. But I think that's what they did with Activision. And I think they're going to do the same thing with Ubisoft. Mark my words. I'm probably... Actually, I'm probably going to be way off. But I do think that's the next publisher they're going to grab. I don't think they're going to buy EA. I don't think they're going to buy them. I was thinking EA would be it. Because think about it. Microsoft buys EA. Yes, they're all... This is another reason why I think it makes sense... From a business standpoint, they're already in bed with EA. Like EA is already a part of Game Pass, but imagine a world where Bioware is a Microsoft exclusive and gets to make Dragon Age and Mass Effect the way they want to make it without EA being like, hey, you need to make this multiplayer. I think you get experiences like that underneath Microsoft. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that this is a reason why I think that is going to be what's going to happen. I think it's going to be more so like, okay, you've got your shooters, you've got your Western RPGs with um, Bethesda. What what else do you need to fill that hole? Um, And you and I have said this a couple times that Ubisoft at this point is making the same game over and over with different skins on it. It's like, you know, climb the tower, get the map, go kill the guy, get the map. (laughs) Far Cry, Watch Dogs, list goes on. Yeah, so if you're going for IPs with variety, to me, EA makes sense, because then if you get EA, you corner the sports market as well, because then you get Madden, you get UFC, um, and there's a few other ones. Uh, You get FIFA um, and um, Ultimate Team. From a financial standpoint, the money that you can rake in, Ultimate Team makes... EA, so much money, like Call of Duty levels money. So from an investment standpoint, I think EA makes more sense. I think when it comes to sports titles, though, those are always going to be multi-platform. I mean, just look what happened to MLB, the show recently. I mean, that was an exclusive for PlayStation for the longest time. But then the MLB was like, no, we want this on more platforms or we're going to take it away from you. And I think... The NFL, FIFA, and the rest of them are most likely in the same boat. If Microsoft bought EA, they're going to be like, no, we still want that on PlayStation. Sorry. And see, and that's the same reason that I think Call of Duty won't become an Xbox exclusive. I think you won't necessarily have to pay for it on Xbox because it'll be a part of Game Pass. But you don't buy something that makes so much money releasing on both platforms and then say, hey, I just want to cut that revenue off continue to release it on all platforms and just double dip in both ends. 
Microsoft's just going to be like, yeah, they can have Call of Duty. You can buy it on there for $69.99, or if you have Xbox Game Pass. Exactly. You don't got to pay that. And that frightens Sony. It that does. really frightens them. And that's why they're creating their own Game Pass. I think what, is, what they're calling it, Project Scorpius or something? like Spartacus? Spartacus, Scorpius. Scorpius is freaking Farscape. That's a Farscape character. <laughs> what the hell are you? Um, but that actually leads into my next uh, topic on this particular thing is, um, so your Sony, how do you respond? Like, where do you go from here? Do you double down on what you already have? Do you like draw that line in the sands? All right, you want a content war, we'll give you a content war. And now it just turns into we're buying this person. We're buying this person. Like, if you own Sony, how are you responding to this? I mean, we've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but. To go into it a little bit further, I think they should just keep making deals with uh, whoever, like like with Marvel, like they got a Spider-Man series, they have a Wolverine coming, or they might work out some deals like with the Knights of the Old Republic, they got an exclusive limited time deal with them, I don't know how long it is, maybe it's a year or two years, who knows, that's really all they can do do except for just buy a few developers here and there and ones that they've already been working with for many years and then just kind of build your roster up i know there's conversations going around like oh maybe they'll buy square enix maybe they'll buy sega yeah i've heard those i don't want to see that but i'm sure they're thinking about those kind of acquisitions and yeah it's just going to turn into a war between the two i think it can go Probably like three different ways. The first one I think is our immediate reaction is like, okay, this is going to be the content war. Um, Sony does not have the capital to make a move like buying something as big as Activision. No. They can probably piece it together. So why was Activision such a big deal? Well, it had um, Raven Software. You had Infinity Ward. You have Treyarch. You have Blizzard. You have all of these studios that make up Activision. So instead of buying up something like EA or Ubisoft, what if you start purchasing smaller things like you get Capcom? Okay, now Resident Evil, Devil May Cry, Street Fighter, those are all PlayStation exclusives. All right, what's next? Square Enix. All Final Fantasy games going forward are PlayStation exclusives. And then Konami. All right, now we own Silent Hill, Castlevania. Um, and then we announced that Kojima Productions is an exclusive um, Sony studio. So I think they can buy up studios that will meet Activision blow for blow as far as games that everybody wants to see, but it's not a world that I want to live in. I don't want to see that. You know what? I'm going to throw something crazy out there. You know, I'll let you finish your thought first because I'm going to go into something else, but yeah, okay. go ahead. Um, I was going to say the the other big way is that Sony has to bend to Microsoft. So Microsoft wins. Game Pass comes to PlayStation finally. And now Microsoft is just kind of making their money on both platforms. Because I think Microsoft really is trying to get out of the hardware thing. And I mean, they've said they want Game Pass on smart TVs at this point. So mm-hmm. I think Microsoft's design is to force Sony into allowing their stuff on their system like Microsoft just wants their hands in everything at this point. And they're starting to 
creeping. I mean, they've been on the PC front for a while, but I have a feeling they're creeping in on Steam's uh, Valve's. I mean, I'm sorry, Valve's territory a little bit. Yeah. Now, here's a crazy idea, Andy. Do you think there's a chance Sony and Valve will do some sort of a deal to kind of combat Microsoft's takeover? It's funny you bring that up because I did say that there was three moves that I see Sony could make. One was they do a content war. The other is Microsoft wins. The third option, which I think is honestly the most unlikely, but it is very possible. Sony doesn't have the money, but what if they partner with somebody who does? Um, Steam is a good call. What I think is even more likely is somebody like Google or Amazon. Um, Amazon has tried a couple different times to get into the gaming field and failed. The closest they got was New World, and all the players have dropped off of that. So what if they announce something like, hey, you know, we have now with Prime, get Project Spartacus included with your Prime membership and this, that, and the other. Now you have Amazon backing you. Uh, all PS4 games, free shipping with Prime next day, this, that, and the other, that could potentially have... That would be the next, I think, what would rival something as big as Microsoft buying Activision. As crazy as that sounds, I can see Amazon buying Sony before Microsoft buys Sony. Yes. I I could see that happening. It kind of scares me a little bit. Oh, yeah, that would terrify me. If Amazon owns Sony, that's, yeah, that's like, oh, shit. Well, if somebody's going to buy Sony, I don't want it to be Google. No, uh, which I don't think Google would do it. Um, Google's got Stadia. Yeah, well, frick Stadia. (laughs) Stadia's dead, just like the Ouya. It's going down that road. The problem I have with Google, they bail out on a lot of their projects. They'll introduce something, and if they don't see the the positive numbers immediately, they will pull the plug. So I don't want them touching PlayStation. I hate how this has become the norm now for Microsoft. Yes. Yeah. I, they just never wanted to create their own shit, at least the way that we normally see the others do, like Nintendo and Sony. Yeah. They had to really build up their libraries from the ground up. Microsoft just rolls in and is like, yeah, we're just going to buy everything. And that's a legitimate strategy. I, mean, I, I get it. They got the money. They can do it. That leads into my last talking point on this particular topic, and this is a hypothetical. What does Game Pass look like, you know, five, ten years from now? Like, what does the gaming industry look like if things continue going the way they're going right now? Where Sony more so is like, hey, we're doing our thing. Let's focus on our thing. And Microsoft's like, buy everybody. Let's just say hypothetically, you know, things keep going the way they're going right now. And let's say Sony doesn't acquire anybody. I think a world that you see is Activision or not Activision, but Xbox has managed to corner the market. And now Microsoft is your third party platform. Like that's where you go to get your variety. And Sony goes the way of Nintendo to where third, you may get a couple third party and some really cool indie developers on there. But you're going to buy a PlayStation for their IPs. Like, nobody buys a Switch thinking, oh, man, the resolution's amazing. No, you you buy a Switch because 
you want access to Mario, Zelda, Mario Kart, Smash, and all that entails, you'll buy a PlayStation because you want Spider-Man, God of War, Uncharted, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I will say this, you know, Microsoft's buying all these guys up and they have a shit ton of IPs now, but they don't have a Last of Us or a God of War. Not yet. So Sony's got those games cornered over there right now. And I, I mean, at some point, Microsoft is going to put out those kind of games. I think you're going to see it within five years. I mean, I five from what we've seen... Hellblade 2 could be a direct competitor for God of War. Uh, I mean, I, I would love that to happen because competition's great, so, but yeah. I I don't see it, personally. I, I, I love Hellblade. I love the first Hellblade, but when you put it up against the 2018 God of War, it's... Well, well, first off, those are two completely different games. Yeah, you're comparing apples to tennis shoes at that point. <laughs> They're both fantastic games for different reasons. I, I I don't know if Hellblade can hit that level. I think given enough time, games like Hellblade could hit that, though. Like, uh, Senua, I think, hits hard enough to compete with Kratos as far as, like, emotionally and, like, making you think as a character. Right. And I think given enough time to build up her lore... You could get that because I think the part of Kratos that was so compelling was just, you know, they had these games like God of War 1, 2, and 3 and everything in between that was just like this raging Spartan destroying everything to this older man trying to cope with his past and trying to almost atone. I don't think God of War, like the newest trilogy, hits as hard without those other games. So I think you give Senua enough time and let Hellblade flesh out its lore enough, you've got a competitor. Boy, this was a fun topic. <laughs> it's a roller coaster ride of emotions. We knew this was going to go all over the place. Yeah. I didn't expect the oatmeal, but... That's why it's a surprise mechanic. But that's all I have for this particular topic, um, unless you have something that you wanted to throw in. Not really. We covered a lot of it. It's just uh, crazy times. Microsoft wants to buy you and everything else. <laughs> Same with Disney. So we're going to jump into your surprise mechanic, Mike, because we've already had mine. Uh, Maybe you should introduce what surprise mechanic is for the new listeners. Oh, my apologies. So for those that don't know, um, surprise mechanics are when me, Mike, Jacques, Ash, um, we just bring something completely random to the show. Um, it could be trivia night. It could be, hey, let's draft developers. It could be, hey, I'm going to eat oatmeal in the middle of the fucking podcast. Yeah, talk about surprises. <laughs> we don't tell each other. It's just something that we just kind of go off the rails and introduce random stuff to the middle of the show and the other co-host has to deal with it. So, Mike, what is your surprise mechanic this week? I have five really good surprise mechanics now and we're not gonna talk about all five here i was about to say holy shit not happening hear me out i'm gonna give you the themes for each one of these surprise mechanics and then you're gonna tell me which one we're gonna do okay first one care package second one dream the third one war 
War never changes. The fourth one, interesting questions. The last one is funny moment. Mm, those are all very tantalizing. The war never changes was very tantalizing just because I love Fallout. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a sucker for interesting questions. Uh, hell, our or my last stream was centered around interesting questions. I'm going to go with interesting question. Okay. All right. Indy, have you ever played a game you absolutely hated, but you couldn't stop playing it until you finished it? Hmm. It's a tough one. Kind of put you on the spot there. No, no, it's actually fairly easy. I just had to think about it for 20 seconds. Not not even that, like 10 seconds. I know what it is. I'm going to let you guess. Go ahead. Guess. Aliens, Colonial Marines. <laughs> ah, yeah. I didn't think that through. <laughs> no, you didn't. I really didn't think that through. <laughs> you, you can pick another surprise mechanic if you want. Well, let me ask you this. Would you Would you rather I pick another surprise mechanic or we finally give some exposition to our listeners as to why we rip on that game like every other show? Because it is a pattern. Like, we... We tear that game up constantly. Oh, boy. Here we go. Aliens, Colonial Marines, part 1000. Let's go. Let's get it over. <laughs> but an actual deep dive, like mechanically everything, like what went wrong for us with that game? It was in development hell for many, many, many years. Yes. They announced it, I think, in 2008, I want to say. Yeah, because I remember going in to pre-order it, and then it got delayed, and I was like, all right, well, um, let me rebuy a copy of KOTOR 2, because it was still in GameStop. Like, you could buy OG Xbox games. So I took my pre-order from that and rebought KOTOR 2. I remember there being a Game Informer issue, talking about Alien- Aliens, Clone of Marines, and if you flip through the pages, it showed a bunch of uh, gameplay screenshots, and looked completely different from the one we saw at the E3 uh, gameplay uh, reveal. Yeah. So at some point, they completely scrapped what they were doing, and they started it up again. And what we saw at E3 looked pretty good. I'm like, yeah, well, that looks good. I was like, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in this. And then the game came out, and it was just a complete lie. Mm-hmm was all a lie. All this shit that they showed us at E3. We got the Wish version of that game. Gearbox didn't even make the campaign. The the, the version that we got, it was uh, TimeGate and some other developer, which are both dead now. Sega wanted Gearbox to make the game. They paid them to Mm -hmm. make the game. They, they They funded it multiple times. Even when they asked for more money and more money and more money, they gave it to them. And Gearbox was just like, eh, we're going to work on Borderlands. Weren't they accused of, like, funneling money for Colonial Marines to Borderlands? Yeah, that was one of uh, the things that was floating around for Colonial Marines. But basically, the, the whole thing was the last big lump sum that Sega gave to Gearbox to get the game done and finished. They took that money and they stuck it into Borderlands 2. 
We don't really know if that's true. It's just no. a, a alleged accusations and all this other stuff. We don't know. But it wouldn't shock me if that was true. For some reason, Gearbox just did not want to make this game. Giving it to other developers, they said, oh, we worked on the multiplayer. I'm like, well, that's not something to be proud of. No. <laughs> it wasn't that great. Despite Randy Pitchford advocating it everywhere, they they bastardized that game. And I remember back in the day, like, watching it, like, wanting to be excited for it. And, I mean, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I know I say that a lot, but when we get that game and you look back at some of the press releases we got, it seemed like Randy was reading from the same script in every single one. Because yeah. I swear to God, I remember, like, by the time the game was ready to come out, I was like, if I hear Randy Pitcher say one more fucking thing about electronic ball breakers, I'm not buying this fucking game. Like, we get it. You made it. You get to do it. What the fucking do? And then the game comes out. I'm actually really glad I never paid for it. Um, I actually won it through Monster Energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go figure. I was cautiously optimistic. I was playing it. And I saw the reviews, and I was like, no, it's not that bad. People just don't like aliens, that's all. And then I started playing it, and I was like, "It's see, it's not that bad. And then I got to the nightclub scene where there's, like, it's a Xeno nest, and I'm like, this is actually really cool. And then they all start pouring out, and I'm like, what the fuck? Because the Xenos weren't all attacking me. Like, they would... I had a couple of them just walk up to me and just stand there and look at me and then run away. I'm like, well, I do not feel like I'm fighting for my life here. It was basically cats inside xenomorph suits. Yeah, exactly. They act like cats. And now, I mean, looking back at it now, you know, I think there was an actual article written not that long ago that part of the reason why that game was so bad is that there was one piece of code that was changed that made the Xenos a hell of a lot less aggressive because there's a mod for it on Steam that fixes it and makes Colonial Marines actually a decent game. And it's just changing one command for the Xenos to actually be hostile and more aggressive. You know, you can actually go in the code yourself and fix it. I I did it on the PC really? just to see. Yeah, it was like some zeros and stuff. I couldn't remember yeah. exactly where it was. I changed it and I went and played the game and it is better. Like, the AI intelligence is definitely better, but it still sucks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be talking about aliens, clone Marines in this episode, but my God, now you're just I mean, bringing back all the bad memories and the $100 collector's edition I spent. Uh, hey, you know what, though? That collectible is really cool, though. It is. I have it right above my head right now. I'm looking at it. I mean, it's the best part of that game. <laughs> and I think we have it somewhere, too, because Ashley got it. Uh, the collector's edition back in the day too, um, which I'm glad we have it. I'm glad I didn't buy it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like at some point, you know, we've been talking about Colonial Marines since it came out. For me and Mike, it's a very painful memory that we like to bitch about because it helps us cope because to this day we're still wounded that that's the game we got. But I felt like our fans and our listeners deserve to know why we hate that game and Randy Pitchford so fucking much. <sighs> Didn't we talk about Randy Pitchford many, many episodes ago? Oh, we yeah. talked about Randy at length, but we never talked about Colonial Marines. You know, at some point down the line, way down the line, maybe we'll have an in-depth topic about that game. Like, really get in there. Yeah. Right after the sequels. 
right after the sequel. <laughs> Damn you, Disney. If there's any new listeners, um, we're not negative people. We're actually a no, lot of fun. No. We have a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, we are nerds. We we have a podcast where we talk about games. And with that comes a certain level of passion for some of our IPs. And when they are tragically mishandled, we hold grudges. But anyways, Jock is screaming right now because he writes the timestamps. And, and I was just going off on... Uh, I wasn't going off on them, but I was saying, oh, you guys were so ADD in that one episode you did, and now we're doing it right now. Oh, so. and, well, this wasn't entirely ADD, though. Um, there was a lot to talk about with Activision, because we had two weeks worth of Activision news to catch up on. But Mike does make a good point. We are right at the two-hour mark, so we're going to call it here, guys. Uh, Mike, do you have anything that you would like to plug for right now, or anything that you would like to add as a closing statement? Go out there and support other creators. Um, you know, the small guys need need help. We're, we're small too, but yeah, there's plenty absolutely. of other guys out there that are fantastic. And uh, th- there's one I'm for- I'm forgetting their name right now that uh, we've been mingling with a little bit. Oh yeah, um, what's their names? Friends of the show, two peas, um, Ali and Haley. They're really cool. They're on Twitch. They just hit affiliate. They've been really cool um, supporting us. We supported them. So at this point, I mean, they're just they're friends of the show. Um, By all means, give them a shout out. Um, Also, just want to plug Brett, the illustrator. He's another content creator who's been supporting the show pretty heavily, shows up to a lot of the streams. So go check out their stuff. Um, Allie and Haley are fun on Twitch. Brett has some amazing art. Um, Yeah, go check them out. Just go out there and support all the small guys. We need the help. But for now, we will remain the small guys and we will continue having fun. So on that note, I'm Indy. I'm Mike. And you guys have a great night. We'll see y'all later.